You're listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding. What's going on, everybody? This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You're listening to episode 87, Results-Oriented Ministry versus Process-Oriented Ministry. Well, today we are talking about what it means to commit to a ministry perspective that is focused on a good, healthy process and not just focusing on results. You certainly want to see results and certain benchmarks and milestones in your ministry, but when we get too focused on the results, we can end up uh, crushing those around us or sacrificing good long-term health and investment for some short-term results that either we need for our own worth and pat on the back or to satisfy the certain um, probably unrealistic, unhealthy expectations of those who are supervising us. So our guest to talk with us about that is Mike Haynes. You might remember that name from one of our Maverick resource reviews. Mike is the creator uh, of G-Shades Curriculum. We talk about that a little bit, uh, but Mike is also a youth ministry veteran, an active youth pastor, and we talk about what it means to be focused on results, what damage that can cause in your ministry, and what it means to be process-oriented instead. So let's hop into this conversation with Mike. Well, Mike, welcome back to the podcast, man. Thanks for hopping back on. Uh, This is your first official episode since the first time you were on with us was a resource review about G-Shades, which we'll definitely talk about. Um, But dude, thanks for hopping on. How have you been? Yeah, man. I've been good. It's great to be back. And uh, it's funny that we haven't, like, this is my first official episode because I feel like you and I have been a part of each other's lives now for years, right? And so it's weird to me that right. this is the first official episode. It feels like I'm like, oh yeah, total friend of the pod, but I this is actually yeah. the first time I've ever been on. <laughs> for sure. Definite friend of the pod. Uh, yeah, if you haven't checked that out uh, on our resource reviews, it's a playlist on YouTube and then scroll through our episode list on the website and you'll see us talk about G-Shades. Um, but uh, before we talk about G-Shades, uh, so for today's episode, uh, we're talking about um, how you approach ministry for yourself as far as how you're judging the results. And of course, all of that in youth ministry is relational. And um, uh, uh, we had an episode recently talking about if you have your supervisors and people who have certain benchmarks for you to meet their definition of success. But for us and how we do ministry, we, w- we want to make sure that we're making an impact in students' lives, right? And um, you and I have been doing this for a while, and uh, there are seasons that, that, that come and go. Um, so, Mike, when it comes to just how you gauge how you're doing in ministry, um, what's probably the most important factor you've picked up to keep in mind as you're doing ministry to gauge your own success and relevance and effectiveness? Yeah, and, and that obviously, of course, that's a tough question because there are so many things in ministry that matter. Um, you know, and depending on the church context you're part of, and it sounds like you had an episode on this, you know, depends on the church context, there are things that matter 
to that church more than at other locations. Yep. And so I've definitely been in church environments where the most important thing far and away was numbers. Um, I've been part of that church where, you know, my boss has told me like, dude, if you have to give away $5 bills to get a hundred kids in the door, like do whatever you got to do, you know, um, as long as we get lots of numbers. And I, like I've been in that church before. Um, and so I, I know what it is to have that kind of pressure to have those kinds of metrics you want to hit where I've kind of settled out on. Um, for me, the most important factors in ministry is that number one, and I, I appreciate that this is not objective, but number one, I need to know that me and the, me and God, me and Jesus are like we're on the same page. And if I feel very confident that I'm I'm doing the things that God is calling me to do in this ministry, um, and that I'm being the person that He's calling me to be, then I I feel baseline pretty good. Um, but then secondly, I think, you know, there are some things that matter relationship with leaders, uh, matters, being able to raise up leaders matters, being able to, um, give students opportunities to own their faith. That stuff matters, uh, relating well with parents and equipping them. Well, that matters. And so I think those are three things that just in the, you know, decade or so of, of time that I've been in ministry, those are kind of the three things that stick out to me as maybe being of, of utmost importance. Yeah. Awesome, man. I love it. Yeah. All those things are important. And um, yeah, I think what we're going to touch on and talk about is really just how you gauge your own results. And um, you can take it an event at a time and think about, okay, was this heard well by the students, leaders? Can I get input? Maybe you get feedback on how a certain small group went, how an event went based on the numbers for that or just the feel. But thinking long term and how you're being effective um, it can get to the point where you're chasing something and even making it an, an idol um, or just um, a rabbit trail that's unhealthy and trying to get results. Um, so, Mike, just from your own experience and even with talking with all the people who've written for G-Shades, um, what are some of the things that can happen when we prioritize results over our relationship with God, over a healthy view, what can happen to us if we champion that to an unhealthy extent? Yeah, and it's hard, again, because results, when we talk about job performance, how else are you supposed to decide whether or not someone deserves a pay raise, right? Like, do you feel, you know, oh, well, are you doing what God has called you to do? That's a tough metric by which to measure whether or not you should hire someone, whether or not you should um, keep them on, right? Again, it's not totally subjective. You can't measure it. You can't look at it, right? It's that's a that's a between that person and the in the spirit of God. Um, so that that's a tough thing when it comes to the X's and O's of ministry. This is ultimately an organization that we're working with, and so we need to have some some concrete things that we can attach ourselves to. Um, but I think a key thing that that you said there, Jeff, is like long term, right? Long term view. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. like many CEOs are forced into in the largest, you know, Fortune 500 companies, you know, I think, unfortunately, in church world, some of us have been put in positions where we are not afforded the ability to look long term view. It's always, well, what, what about the next quarter? What about the next quarter? We have to make gains the next quarter. And a lot of churches wind up thinking a lot like Fortune 500 companies that are only thinking about the next quarter. Um, and so when you mm -hmm. do that, you're not able to actually do some of the kind of live life in a, in a more process oriented way, I would say that leads to, um, that leads to maybe a healthier you and a healthier ministry. You know, and that, that's one of the things that I love 
about student ministry is that because teenagers are so their passion and their personality it it, 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 even their impressionability far outweighs their wisdom and so for that reason we we kind of have to take the things that we pour into them with a grain of salt like we have to allow for there to be some zigzag in their discipleship process because they're teenagers and they make poor decisions and they're impressionable not just from you as the youth pastor, but impressionable by everyone else that they're around. And so, um, yeah, that's one mm-hmm. of the things that I've, I've learned um, in terms of being more process oriented. But I do think to answer your question, I do think that being results oriented is a problem. Um, and I think it's a problem for a number of reasons. I think there are a couple of things that we can wind up hurting when we're only results oriented in our approach to ministry. Um, and, and depending on your wiring, there are any number of, of ways that you could wind up damaging yourself. You could wind up damaging others. Um, it can be very, very hurtful. Um, number one, if you're results oriented in your approach to ministry, you can wind up questioning your God given calling in the aftermath of God given results. And so you wind up doing things the way that God has called you to do them. You wind up doing things in a way that's healthy and good and biblical. And yet it doesn't turn out the way that you or your superiors wanted to. It turns out the way that God has ordained it to turn out. And you wind up questioning your God-given calling after experiencing God-given results. And that's a shame. That's a, that's a crying shame that you would not feel joy because you are finding your joy and satisfaction, identity and purpose in results that are outside of your control. And so I think that's one way in which we can really damage ourselves and really hurt ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I totally agree with that, man. I think um, that's probably where I felt, that's probably where I found myself at one point in ministry. um, That was very vivid for me several years ago um, where I basically had it in my mind to go turn in my resignation and was like, I'm not effective. I'm not yep. doing these things. And my, my view of what was successful and what results I needed to hit in order just to meet the bare minimum were not realistic. Uh, were very subjective, very emotionally tied to my worth uh, as an Enneagram three with a very high two. I need pats on the back. I need to make sure everyone knows I'm doing a good job. I need to hear that, you know? Um, so yeah, I've definitely had firsthand experience with that. And that is a very hard place to get out of. Um, so I think it's good for us to have that on our radar now, because I think at some level, everyone who's been in ministry for a while um, has has felt that. It doesn't matter what kind of ministry, but when you're in such um, a unique ministry as, as youth ministry, it's not children's ministry, it's not college ministry, it's not adult, it's not preaching really like it's it's just its own animal um with students who biographically by by nature are in the most chaotic time in their life yep. <laughs> biologically uh, trying to figure out who they are mentally emotionally physically spiritually it's all in flux yeah um and man we can be our biggest critic um and our harshest critic. So yeah, I think that that's a good first point to land on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. And I've definitely had my own experiences with that too. And I mean, it kind of leads to the second, like the second idea, I think in the way that 
being results oriented can be damaging. The reason it can be damaging as well, and this is again, depending on your wiring, depending on the context in which you find yourself, like you may crush the inhabitants of God's kingdom for the sake of God's kingdom, which is when you state it that way, that's like obviously horrible, but it happens all the time in church ministry. That's why we got a whole generation of people walking around with church wounds that are totally unaddressed. It's because they were part of a ministry where the ministry leaders were results oriented and they wound up crushing God, the, the inhabitants of God's kingdom for the sake of God's kingdom. And it's, it's crazy. Yeah. You know, we wind up steamrolling our volunteers and steamrolling people who are just, they're just, you know, the people out there who are trying to give of their gifts and talents and what little time they have, you know, to do something good in the world because it's good for their walk with God or because, you know, ministry leaders have told them it's a good thing to do. And we take these great things that people want to do, you know, for, for God's kingdom and we, the professionals, we just crush them. We just burn them completely out and then leave them dying on the side of the road because we want to build the kingdom. It's crazy, but it, it happens because we're results oriented. It happens because the ends justifies the means because we're not process oriented in our approach to ministry. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I mean, obviously you and I, we're great. So we've never crushed anybody else in ministry, you know. <laughs> of course but, not. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> No, it's it's true, man. And gosh, I have I have personal stories, not not really uh to me, but just those around me who have faced from others, um, as well as, you know, the stories you mentioned. People walking around with church hurt. Um, I mean, if you peruse the hashtag exvangelical, you're gonna find any number of stories that are huge in number, but have strangely very similar or identical themes or patterns. Um, and yeah, I think, I think, uh, that's a really good point to touch on is, um, regardless of the egomaniacs or people who are just cruel or abuse, um, those who abuse and things like that, just the simple reality of with good intentions being far too results oriented can result in, havoc that you did not mean to wield or make happen at all. Um, and I, and not, not as many of these stories, but I do know them and, and have them of luckily pastors and people in leadership who have had enough self awareness and humility to even before it was addressed, be able to say, you know what, the way I brought that up or the way I handled that with you was not right, was not Christ-like, um, it was not with integrity, and I'm sorry, and they sought forgiveness. Um, and so that's really beautiful to see. Of course, it doesn't happen um, as much as you would like it to, but that's because we all need a Savior, and we can't save ourselves. Uh, but it, th- there is a lot of, I think the word you use is correct, there's a lot of um, unaddressed, untouched um cases like that. And we don't want to be the ones who wield that. And we don't want our students to be in those statistics. Yeah, no, we don't. And, and, you know, part of the reason that we don't want to be part of that, I think this leads into the kind of the third and, you know, probably not final reason as to why this results oriented approach to ministry can be damaging. There's probably more. um, But this is, you know, this is a, you know, we're, we're doing a podcast episode here. So, um, 
maybe we can write an encyclopedia on it later. Um, but <laughs> you know, the third thing that comes to mind is that you, if you have a results oriented approach to ministry, you might succeed, right? Like you might, mm. you might succeed completely in your own power. And the argument, the counter argument to that is that if you're trying to build the kingdom, if you're trying to build a, a, a thriving youth ministry, whatever it is, things are popping off, kids are getting saved, all of that kind of stuff is happening, but you do it completely in your own power, well, at least kids are still getting saved, right? And I, I, I get that, I do. But, but, but the thing is, the ministry leader, you, you matter. You matter too. And so mm-hmm. what a shame for you to miss out on God's involvement in your story. What a shame for you to miss out on, on the opportunity to like build God's kingdom with God's involvement. Like you might win, you might succeed, but you've lost if you're not, your own personal walk with Jesus isn't, you're not intermingling the gospel and God's spirit in with your work. That's like the benefit of doing what we do is that like we in a very obvious way get to partner with God in order to build the kingdom. I think everybody gets to do that in a way, but when we work in ministry, we obviously get to do that. So what a shame if we miss out on that opportunity because we succeed under our own power. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. And I think that's a really subversive one to uh, to make mention of and to see, but it's not one that you can really explain until or realize fully until you find yourself there and you're like, I wonder how many evaluations of things that went well uh, start out with or even involve. Now, you know, how much was this your own effort and how much were you trusting and utilizing the opportunities that that God gave you and dependent Mm. on him to show up or else it wouldn't show up and... Mm. It's like, oh, you know what? I covered all my bases a little too well and sat and <laughs> basically not maybe not consciously, but subconsciously thought, I'm not gonna leave anything to anyone else, including God. I'm gonna make this all happen myself so it happens right. Yeah. And and I know that's a weird metaphysical, practical line to draw of like, well, I need to do things or else I'm not gonna get done. Like I'm I'm not gonna sit here in a chair and the event's just gonna happen. Of course not, but you know to, what it means to walk by faith is um it's an ongoing process that always needs refinement you never have it down perfectly um and just the fact of being open to okay you know what i know that this is what we should do it's the most welcoming thing and i'm i could do these three other things to hype it and try and make it the best i can it might take away from this but i should do it but i'm just going to let god bring the people if he's going to bring them I'm going to meet them where they're at. And, you know, that's a, maybe a simple or a little bit too nuanced example. But, um, yeah, that's a hard line to draw. But yeah. when you find yourself there, man, it can be all that power that feels satisfying suddenly feels empty. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Re- really hard. Uh, Mike, do you have, um, if you could think back, like, obviously there's several examples maybe, but what's maybe a more recent example um, that you've come across where you've been reminded of what being results oriented and being more kingdom timing oriented looks like that God's brought in into your life. Anything come to mind with that? Yeah. So, okay. So 
so years ago, so years ago, my wife and I developed a really close relationship with a seventh grade girl. I'm a, I mentioned that I've been in ministry for about a decade and I've been in this church for seven and a half years. Part of the benefit of that, of being at the same church for seven and a half years is you watch kids grow up. You get the chance to watch kids grow up, mm-hmm. which is a really amazing honor of being in youth ministry. And so when this kid was in seventh grade, she came to summer camp. At summer camp, we had the conversations that you have at summer camp and we realized, wow, this girl's in a really bad home environment. And so my wife and I just, she would just became one of our kids, more or less. She was over our house all the time. She would spend a couple of weeks at our house here and there. We developed a close relationship. And then for three years, for the next three years, we did everything we could to try to reorient this kid's life. They were headed down a bad path. They were acting out. They had developed some really poor core beliefs about themselves. The things that you in youth ministry break your heart. And it's the reason that we're in youth ministry is because we want to make a difference to the best of our ability by God's power. And we did that for three years. And then COVID hit, but on top of COVID hitting, at the same time, something happened that required us to take a step back from this girl and her family in order to protect our own family. We needed to take a step back. And that happens sometimes. And despite knowing that we had done process-wise, we had done everything in our power, everything that we could. And we had done things the right way. I think when we knew that we had to take that break from this girl and her family, we still felt guilty a little bit. We still felt that twinge of failure because the result wasn't what we wanted. It felt like we had Mm. invested years into this relationship, into discipling this girl, and we didn't win. You know, that we had to exit and her life was still just going to go down this dark path that it was going to go down before she had met us. And we felt that. But then recently, that's a, a three-year gap. And then recently, this girl, who's now a young adult, kind of came back into our life and made us aware of some things that she was going through that were really difficult. And so my wife and I had the opportunity recently, over the last month, we've had the opportunity to work with our church in trying to help stabilize this girl's life who she was a big part of our life for three three years. And while that situation and how the results of that are going to turn up remains to be seen, we don't know because ultimately we can't control everything. And this girl is her own person and she has to make her own choices and we can't force things. I think we've been reminded that God is process oriented And that we should be process-oriented too. And so we felt lately like we don't have to feel guilty. We don't have to feel like failures because we did everything that we were called to do. And we can trust God with this girl. We can trust God with her soul. And so that means that we don't have to force it. We don't have to be ruthlessly efficient. We don't have to try to control everything or be tight-fisted, grit our teeth. And, um, And I just think that we would be better off as ministry leaders if we did the same thing in our youth ministry if we were process oriented the way that God is. Yeah. I love that man. That's a beautiful story. Um I really hope that relationship can continue um with that former student and uh yeah, process oriented. Um yeah, I think I think um for several of us depending on again the church you're at, how long you've been in ministry, um 
it's hard sometimes to think in years plural or to think that that long term because especially if maybe in seven years someone listening's been at two or three churches, you know, um, or they're not sure if the what they're doing now and in investing in students is even making a difference. But yep. I think that's that's the other part of walking by faith. It's not trying to figure out in the moment what looks best for for dependence, but just with everything you do leaving your best on the table and submitting to what God has for you and you're going to keep going and it's not your job to save or to make sure everyone that you ever meet is going to be at a certain place. You just have to do your best with where God has you for how long he has you with who's there and be able to be used well. And when he brings people back into your life like that, and I think that's a good reminder of what you do matters what you did matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be not just with this person, but with the students you have now in your ministry, yep. with the students you had five, 10, some people listening have been volunteering for 20 plus years, you know, and it's neat to get wedding invitations. It's neat to follow back up with people when they're back in town. And um, to have that orientation in the heat of the moment of weekend, week out ministry can be hard, but um, it's best for your own longevity and ministry. It's best for theirs. <laughs> it's best for your spouse or anyone who knows you. It's best for your mental and emotional health. Um, it's just the. It's just a better way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, dude, thank you. Um, we heard a little bit about it in the promo before this episode aired, but. Um, we're in season four of G shades right now and another season's coming this summer. So for anyone who hasn't heard about G shades, tell us a little bit about it and what's on the docket. Love it. Yeah. So G shades is the youth ministry curriculum focused on helping students see through the lens of the gospel, the process oriented um, conversation that we are starting to wrap up. You know, if I were to apply like a G shadesy gospel lens to that, and the reason that we can navigate this tricky ministry dynamic um, through the lens of the gospel, you know, I would I would take a look at it and go, okay, well, God is process. God is a God of process. Uh, he's been a God of process for all of human history. Um, if you look at the way that God navigated the covenants, why not just send Jesus immediately? Why not just uh, force is the Israelites into being uh, the way that uh, the early church was. Why have them go through all of this rigmarole and the laws and the covenants and all of the things, the wars and all the things that they went through? Why did God operate the way that humanity operated back then? Why not make them more woke? Like, why weren't they more woke back then? Why was Israel operating in ways that we now find detestable? Why was God operating that way? Well, God is a God of process and he walks with his people and he walks with us in our own sanctification, right? That's the way that the gospel works. God takes us by the hand. We're little toddlers, little babies toddling around. And God just walks with us patiently. And we stumble and fall. And he waits for us. God is Usain Bolt. He could just sprint and drag us flailing in the wind behind him. But he doesn't do that because he's a God of process. And so this is, this is the gospel at work. And so the reason that we should be process-oriented in ministry is because God is process-oriented in the gospel. And that kind of teaching philosophy, that kind of teaching paradigm of taking a look at what the gospel shows us and then using that as a lens through which we see the rest of life and ourselves and God and other people 
That's the kind of teaching paradigm that G Shades proposes. And it's the kind of teaching paradigm that we use in curriculum to students and not only students, but also starting in July to kids as well, um, because we're creating a kids ministry curriculum that's going to launch this summer. And so that's, that's the paradigm and that's the way that it works in structurally and in terms of the way it's laid out, it's laid out in a way that's pretty modern, you know, modern curriculums, right? Large groups, small groups, video messages and parent guides and, you know, all that kind of, all the good stuff, ministry leader guides, all that stuff, Bible reading plan. But anyways, we're, we're, we're season four is out there and it's 46 weeks of curriculum. It's really good stuff. I know that I'm biased because I'm the creator of it, but it's really, really good. And it's only going to get better. Season five will launch in July and we're launching a kids ministry curriculum to pair along with that. And so if your church is looking for a youth ministry curriculum or a kids ministry curriculum, again, I'm biased, but I really think GCH is incredible. And the price point is better than pretty much anything else you'll find, um, especially for the value that you get. So I would encourage you to just go find it, gshades.org, and download something free, free series, and just check it out, see if it's a good fit for your ministry. Awesome. Love it, bro. Love it. Well, thanks again for hopping on the podcast. And uh, man, praying for you and and G-Shades and your own ministry. Keep bringing it to the students, man, and think long-term. And thank you for helping us remember to do that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. See you, Jeff. That concludes today's episode. Thanks again to Mike for joining me. You can find the link to G-Shades in the show notes. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it. And be sure to check out our website, youthministrymaverick.com. There, you can see a comprehensive list of our guests, their bio information, some organizations that can help you in your ministry, some articles I've published, and a store to help support the podcast. Also, we would love if you give us a review on Apple Podcasts, not just a rating, but a review. It helps our visibility, and we would really appreciate that. If you do leave us a review, take a screenshot of it and send it to me, and I will personally mail you a thank you card with some podcast swag that you can't get on the store. Well, that does it for today. Thanks again for listening. Please share this if it helps others that you know, and we hope that you've been encouraged by it. Until next time, adios.